Hey everyone, it's Lauren and Mark coming at you for another edition of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. Uh, we know we're putting this out late. We've been trying to do every Wednesday. We've had a, uh, kind of a hell of a week going on here. Uh, basketball's going on too, so it's a fun time of the year. Uh, Mark, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing, man? Um, waiting for Atlanta this weekend. Yep. Uh, so that'll be starting tomorrow. It got washed out today. A lot of, lot of weather down there. Yep, there's some weather. I was wondering if the trucks are going to run on Friday night. So there's no way, but uh, weather looks good down there for tomorrow. Good stuff. Uh, hey, we got episode number 71 here. When I think of the number 71, I think of uh, Blake Brown, who's dabbled in. I remember him back in the early 20 teams being that super late model number 71. Uh, but he has run the Midwest trucks, which we thoroughly enjoy as well. Mark S. Wine, also in the 71. Uh, how about TK Racing, which has been with Johnny Van Dorn, Carson Hosevar, and this year it's been announced that uh, Kyle Crump, who is typically 31, will be joining that team uh, for that series. Jimmy Dragic up at Wisconsin International Raceway. Dave Marcus, uh, one of my favorite 71s there. Bobby Isaac, a legend. Buddy Baker, a legend. Andy Lally dabbled in the 71 a little bit. Bob Barron. Bobby Labonte and David Gilliland are the others that I got there. Who do you got? Do you give me any? You take <laughs> them all all the time, do it. When you go with Dave Marcus, you got to remember Dick Trickle, you know, because he ran in that car when Dave wasn't in that car. Hey, Morgan Schizzle down at Jefferson and Madison, they love him down there. He's a he's a heck of a, a racer. Hey, that Bobby Isaac, you know, I always was a fan of that 71 car. That was, you know, back with the Super B, really cool car, 71. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. A couple of legends and some good short track uh, racers and legends uh, in their own right there, too. Uh, hey, I wanted to mention the ARCA race. We talked to Greg uh, last time he was on. Greg Van who won the Daytona race there. The ARCA race, uh, big thing that happened there was William Sawalich. Uh, we've seen him down at Milwaukee and a few other places. He was in the race and kind of dominated it. He got spun late while leading. Greg restarted third, but the last restart was a mess, and he ended up finishing 10th. That inside lane, they said, didn't go, but to me it almost looked like the outside lane jumped. Uh, Arca called it good, but the outside lane had a huge jump. I was not a fan of that call. Do you know, just by talking by Greg, talking to Greg, it just it made the Arca race uh, that uh, we had to tune into. So, you know, I was interested. Um, the Arca race, sometimes, you know, only so many cars can be relevant um, yeah, it's, it's so bad that William got, uh, dumped with three laps to go. Uh, was a good race though. It was entertaining. So, but, uh, that was the Arca race out at Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good racing. Like you said, uh, there was a young winner there, uh, trying to think of his name here. I'm going to have to look it up here. I forgot to put it in my, my notes there, but, um, young 15 year old, there was a couple of young drivers in, uh, the race there, but Tyler Reif, he had a penalty, he had to come from the back. Actually, I think he spun. He didn't have a penalty. He came all the way from the back, had that mishap on the restart, caught uh, the person and ended up coming back to win that race. That was pretty cool for him. Yeah, all in all, it was a good race. It's just so bad to see William Swalich, you know. He dominated. He was just he was stinking up the show through that whole race, and it's uh, unfortunate. We uh, we definitely saw the talent with him at Milwaukee last year, and, hey, hopefully he'll be around uh, the Midwest here. Maybe we'll see him race some more this year. 
Oh, I sure hope so. He's a, a nice, nice guy, nice kid. Uh, had a lot of talent, has a lot of talent. Like you said, we saw that at Milwaukee, a few other places as well. Um, clearly saw there, unfortunate for him. And then Greg Van Ulst, too, uh, who is still the, the point leader there for the year. He Earth. is the point leader. That's the yep. that's the biggest thing that came out of that. Says, so, yeah, Greg's still leading the point. So, cool. That will give us something to watch. He needs to find a sponsor. How, there's <laughs> got to be someone out there that wants to sponsor him being the point leader. How about Laura Sports? Got any got any got any change hanging around there, buddy? Uh not anymore after this week. <laughs> yeah, I hear you having a little plumbing problems over in your, your neighborhood. So I won't flush twice because I know you're downriver over that way, buddy. Yeah, yeah. We, we <laughs> yeah, I'm so thankful for my wife. Uh she's a trooper and she's uh she's handy and handles a lot of stuff here in this week. Uh as a reminder of that, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that's what spouses are for, right? Uh, to hold us up while we're down. So, <laughs> so good luck with you on that, man. I feel. For yeah, you. yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> let's uh, let's get back in the racing. Something more enjoyable to talk about and think about here. Uh, uh, out in Phoenix, we'll start with the Xfinity series after the ARCA race here. Uh, Parker Kligerman with a huge hit after losing the brakes going into turn one of qualifying. Wow, uh, they only had three hours to get a backup ready. But uh, that was a th stuck throttle, and that's something that you don't see there very often. But, uh, man, did he put that in the turn two wall, and he clobbered her hard. Huge hit, huge hit, yep. Uh, also, Kyle Busch didn't qualify due to having to go to the rear anyway for an unapproved adjustment, so he saved some uh, laps on those tires there as well. That wasn't an adjustment, dude. That was a fuel pump. That was a fuel pump that had to be changed. There was something about the communication with the fuel pump, and the pickup and something like this, so they just totally took the whole whole unit out like that. And so he he had to start at the back, you know, with Kyle Busch. That's that's worth uh, the price of admission to watch him come through the field. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It falls under the rules for unapproved adjustment there, so that's what NASCAR uh, qualifies it as. But uh, stage one, Chandler Smith gets into uh, Josh Berry, and Josh spins there. Elgier would win the stage. He's always good at Phoenix. Creed, Sammy Smith, Herbst, Hemrick, Custer, Bush, Mayer, Nemechek, and Chandler Smith would round out the top ten there. Yeah, you know, um, some guys flipped that stage at the end. You know, all of a sudden there was like three, four laps to go, and there was many of them that decided that they were going to pit. Isn't that an advantage once when you know that there's going to be a caution coming? And uh, so some guys took advantage of it, and some guys decided to grab the uh, stage points. Yep. Uh, in stage two, Moffitt goes around after uh, close racing with Clements there. They were kind of three wide, un unfortunate there. And then Mozak goes around and hits the wall as well. Yeah, the 98 helped him on that one there. So, But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was part of that deal. Uh, Nemechek goes below the line before the start-finish line while leading on the restart. He gets a pass-through penalty. Bad mistake there. Didn't need to do it. It wasn't egregious either, though, um, but still did not need to go halfway down that line there. Could have waited for quite a while because there was really no challenge coming from him. But, you know, the track is kind of tilted that way, and the line is there, and the dog leg. You know, hey, they got dog leg actually printed on the wall there. I thought that was impressive. But as you come to that start start line and you want to cut that off and you got to, you know, a lot of guys have a lot of things on their mind while that's going on. 
And, yeah. you know, that's a rule. And they, like, the, the announcers were saying, hey, that's just something that's a reminder to tell you that you're supposed to stay in line before you cross the, cross the line and go on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Mayer gets into his teammate, Josh Berry, and Berry goes around for the second time uh, of the day. That looked interesting. Harvick says that Mayer got into Berry uh, the lap earlier a few times as well. Uh, interesting that teammates would be mixing it up like that. Yeah, I'm sure there was a good meeting on Monday on that one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Elgeyer would win the stage over Hill, Hemrick, Sammy Smith, Bush, Alfredo, Mayer, Herbst, Gralla, and Creed. You know, everybody pitted, but Elgeyer stayed out, and that was that was a points move, you know, and kind of like looking at that that strategy that was there, and hey, who did you have pick for Phoenix on that one? Yeah, kick me while I'm down, hey, buddy? <laughs> well, you had Elgeyer, and I even text you and go, how do you like that strategy like that? And and just, like, we, we both knew that he was going to burn his stuff up, especially when he came out after, the you know, that stage. He came out 30th place and then tried to come through the field. And, my God, I tell you what, there was uh, – I thought he was going to pull it off. He actually came through, and he was working it out, man. Yeah, he was uh... – in good shape there, didn't really burn him off, was fifth at one point inside the top five, was looking good uh, on a restart, and we'll we'll get into that here uh, in a little bit. But uh, after that, there was a hard hit for Gray Golding, and then they all pit with 60 to go. There was a question mark if they were going to pit or not, and they all came down. Yeah, 60 was right on the deadline, so to see if they could actually make that. Um, so... Yeah, with that, uh, with that Allgaier, he got back to fifth place. Um, thought he was going to pull that out. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, we looked at that whole deal. And um, we just like, how are you going to make it through everybody else's mess like that? And it actually, it was really great to see how the crew chief was talking with that. The crew chief comes up, you know, hey, man, I'm sorry I put you in this spot and everything like that. Then after all of a sudden they're up to fifth place and he goes, hey, man, you know, hey, we're, we're looking good. We're smelling good right here. So it was interesting between the conversation between Allgaier and his, uh, his uh, crew chief. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Creed goes around after a few laps in turn two. He had a flat left rear. And then Elgeyer has contact with Chandler Smith, and I think this is where he started having a tire issue because he started a fade after that contact. But then he and Jones make contact in three and four, and then it was on. Gralla gets squeezed into and up into Elgeyer. They go into the wall. Elgeyer would be done for the day. Yeah, Gralla and Moffat, they were all in on that. And that was a hard hit after that was over. Man, that seven car was destroyed. Hard hit on that right front there. Yeah, he went in at a bad angle. Well, Gralla got hit pretty hard too. That was yeah. a that was a tough hit for him also. For sure. Yeah, Gralla was had a big hit there too. Um how about this? Sammy Smith, who um we've seen all over races up here quite often, becomes a first time winner uh over Truex, Creed, Herbst, Chandler Smith, Nemechek, Hill, Barry Bush, and Hemrick. Um, awesome for that 18 uh, car. You can see the talent in Sammy Smith. Great that he's getting that full-time opportunity, and I think it's clear that he's going places. You know, you text me, and he says, hey, what about Sammy? I said, let's see if he can finish it off. Let's just see if he can do it. And holy smokes, 
Well, we see the talent in that, and he gets better every time we see him behind the wheel. Also on that last lap, teammates Bush and Chandler Smith were battling for third and made a lot of contact on that final lap. Bush was trying to get to the inside of Chandler, uh, got loose underneath him. Chandler brushed the wall. Bush darn near spun. He would finish ninth after that, and Chandler would fall back to fifth. But uh, I would think there would also be an interesting conversation between those two, especially with Kyle Bush not mattering so much in the points and obviously wants a good finish, but not a huge difference between finishing third and fourth. That's a, that's a trick one for me because uh, you know, you want them to go for every position there, but wow, that was very hard racing with Chandler Smith there. You know, it's just like Kyle just looked like he just got frustrated with the whole deal and, and all of a sudden he tangled up. Yeah. He went, uh, he went from third to ninth just like that. And um, you know, I think Kyle was just uh really manhandling that car, you know, from a colleague race car. He was manhandling to get that up front. And um, I think uh, there's going to be probably some adjustments. And I think Kyle's, uh, um, what he's uh, going to put some input to try to make that car and make that, that team a lot better. Yeah, and, you know, he could be trying to teach Chandler a few things there. Obviously, Chandler drove for him last year. Now they're pseudo teammates with colleague. Um, maybe he was trying to teach him there something about close racing or air, and then it just kind of went wrong. So you never know what happened there. You know, if he was trying to teach Chandler or go for, you know, he should be going for every spot. He should, he should be, but um, kind of unfortunate that they both lost uh, some positions there. Just put a helmet on, man, <laughs> and then racing, and then racing's on. Yeah, yep. Should be going for every spot, like I said, though. I mean, that's that's how you should race. Yeah, but all in all, the Xfinity race, all in all, was rather in, uh, entertaining. So it was a good race. Uh, it was worth watching. Yeah, I think it was better than the cup race, and we'll get into that now. You know, before the cup race started, there was some news. NASCAR saw something in the Hendrick Louvers and also the 31 of Haley's car there. They made them uh, replace it, took them back to the R&D center. Um Interesting that they didn't take them till after practice, too. Kind of interesting timing there. But, um, yeah, NASCAR saw something with them and, and came down kind of hard. You know, Chad Canals came out this afternoon, and uh, they asked him um, what's happening here, you know, talk about the whole thing. And Chad said that we shouldn't be there. And he said there's stuff that's on the shelf that's not legal by NASCAR it's a it's a hornet's nest of what's going on with this whole mess, but uh, they messed with the car, and 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 that's NASCAR's final final straw on that. Now now the uh, the thirty one is um, they are uh, appealing appealing that um, that's a pretty stiff fine, man. There was a hundred thousand for each team, so that's four hundred thousand just out of Hendrick themselves, and then the points. I mean, the money's nothing. I mean, they can afford the money. That's no big deal. When you start taking championship points away and like that, that's just, wow, that's just crazy. And um, there's there's some appeals, and it sounds like uh, there was some miscommunication. That's what I heard from Jeff Gordon also, that there, there, there's some gray, shady area there. Yeah, you know, Hendrick is claiming, and it seems like NASCAR is not shying away from the fact that the louvers that uh, were given to teams aren't the best and that they're working on it. However, Hendrick Motorsports should know not to touch the car when they're told not to touch the car. So 
Um, you know, that's on Hendrick there. You're right. They were fined $100,000 each. And then also the crew chiefs were suspended four races uh, and docked 100 regular season points and 10 playoff points each. Um, wow. They are going to appeal. The rumor is that they're not going to appeal the crew chief suspensions, but they're kind of doing the penalties there. Uh, but with, with the penalty, I mean, you're talking, I think Byron was sitting second in the points. Now he has the wins, which aren't being taken away. So he's going to still be up there, but uh, the playoff points have been taken away. And then also it drops like Bowman from the lead back to 29th Byron back to like 30th, technically um, obviously Elliot's uh, nine car. The points aren't as big other than the owner points. That's huge. Uh, but wow. Uh, a stiff penalty for sure. Yeah, Haley's at negative 40 right now, so guess yeah. what? He There's no way he can go with points racing. So the rest of his season is to do things different, to try try to, 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 to make a win out of it. So um, <laughs> um, unbelievable. They um, these and Like you and I were talking off, off air here, that wouldn't that be something if Hendrick actually came up with the fix and then NASCAR would go with it and say, hey, that's a good idea. This stuff really works, but guess what? It just uh, it costs you by putting your fingers on the car when you weren't supposed to. Well, that's the thing. You know, you could have came up with the fix, but you still can't do it to the car there. So that's a massive failure on Hendrick Motorsports uh, part there. But uh, Alex Bowman goes from the point lead to 23rd. Um, Byron is back to 29th, Larson back to 32nd. Um, and like we said, Chase Elliott, obviously it doesn't affect, um, since he wasn't in the car and Barry's not going for the points there, but, um, you, you know, it could be the fix, which would be interesting in one aspect saying, Hey, here's the fix and we're going to use it. But at the same time, you know, you can't touch the car and put it on the car. Um, when NASCAR says you can't, so you have to go about it a different way. NASCAR has to actually be firm on that because all that does is leave a door cracked for somebody else to do it. So, yep, that, that stops that whole deal about following through. Yeah, and uh, the 31 is uh, appealing as well. There were some more penalties announced that we'll uh, get into at the end of the show too, which can be a, a hot topic. Uh, it's been a hot topic this past week. So, um, yeah, we'll get into that. But first. It's early enough in the season, though, that, you know, everybody can get over the hump on this. So it's early enough. It's not catastrophic for these teams. Could you imagine this happening two weeks before the playoffs and oh. then just absolutely explode their season? I mean, it's early enough in the season that everybody should be able to get over it. I think Haley's going to have a hard time getting over that. They're going to have to win a race if they want to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the appeal there. That'll be that'll be interesting um, to see what happens. But uh, speaking of Hendrick, Byron would go on and win the stage over Larson, Bell, Hamlin, Reddick, Blaney, Chastain, Harvick, Brad, and Bush. Uh, in stage two, Elmarola breaks a wheel and hits the wall. NASCAR decided that they thought they saw the um, lug nut come off. So they installed a two-lap penalty, and 
That means suspension to two crew members. So they said they looked at several angles of it, saw the lug nut come off the car, then the wheel came off and all that. So in NASCAR's determination, it was an improperly installed wheel and penalty. It was. And they actually looked back at it. They said that the nut was loose, which caused the whole catastrophic problem with that with that rim. And, you know, if you think all the rims that are out there, that was the only one that failed that day. And that was the cause of uh, being loose, not mounted right. I thought it was a bad call initially because I thought the wheel did break. Uh, but they obviously saw it differently, and it turns out that it was correct. It sure looked that way, though, at first, didn't it? Just like, wow, did that wheel break? But uh, no, it didn't. Yeah, uh, strange, though. All of a sudden you saw half of the wheel <laughs> go, and half the wheel was still attached. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, what do you think about uh, in the Xfinity Series? They had wipers on, and then in the morning they decided, NASCAR, the drivers decided to take – the windshield wipers off the car, and then, uh, hey, they got mud flaps on these cars. Also, <laughs> they got flaps flying underneath the, the wheel well. So that, that's something different that's going on there with the small small track package. Yeah, uh, NASCAR made a ruling. Uh, you had asked me about that off air um, uh, when it was all happening, but, um, yeah, they made a ruling to take off the wiper. There was no chance for rain, but the uh, lights and the, um, uh, I guess, I don't know if you want to call them mud flaps, but the flaps on the back of the car stayed on. So kind of interesting. I know there was a lot of thoughts from a lot of people on that too about uh, what should um, be happening with that. Should a call be made earlier if there's no chance for it? So uh, what are your thoughts on that? They were totally obvious during the Xfinity race. And then all of a sudden, you kind of see where the wipers kind of leaned off to the side. That's got to affect the airflow over the top of the car. And it's just like, maybe, what would they do if somebody turned their wipers on? Um, you know, to try to get the proper airflow. Don't know if that would work or not. That's thinking outside the box. But, uh, yeah, they took them they took them off for the Sunday race. You know, that was a four-inch uh spoiler on the back and they cut that down to two inches and then they took two inches off the sides off of each side of it um the drivers definitely felt it but did it make for better racing um well <laughs> the jury's out on that one a lot of people complained that phoenix was kind of like eh kind of uh bland but um uh let's let's go with another race down the line let's see if we can critique it a little bit better yeah, kudos to NASCAR for trying something. I know we talked about the spoiler earlier this year when they came down with that new package, but uh, it didn't. It made for more entertaining racing in the fact that the drivers were less in control. They had a lot less downforce, so they were slipping and sliding. Did it make for better racing overall? I don't think so. Honestly, it was kind of a, a snoozer again um, at Phoenix. So I, I do want to give it another shot. Like you said, let's see what happens especially when you go to these other tracks, how is that going to be different from Phoenix? Because Phoenix traditionally is a hard to pass track. So maybe that's just part of it. Did you like, I, I texted you and said, look at that valence on the front. Look at how much air is going underneath that car. And then they removed some of the, some of the louvers in the back of the car. And uh, the car looked really weird. It looked like a, you know, 
when we see the old super lates going down, you know, with the front end, and then when they hit the, hit the brakes, the front end would dive down on the track. There's a lot of air going underneath that car with that new setup that they got. Yeah, it almost reminded me of a quarter-mile late model where they kind of have that old-style, like, shocks and, and all that front-end suspension and all that, more than the traditional super late now because I feel like super late's almost getting, like, NASCAR as far as technology where it's kind of, like, on the ground, on the ground, and then it lowers even further to the ground. It's There's not a whole lot of air going under there. But you pointed that out. That was a great catch that there was a ton of air going in, underneath that front end there at Phoenix. And, uh, you know, Phoenix is kind of a high-speed uh, uh, short track, but uh, it was quite obvious. You just looked at the posture of the car and just like, wow, look at that. that that's totally different. And, uh, yeah, they changed everything on these guys, and, and they definitely felt it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, hey, here's what Bob Pockris has to say about the wheel. Uh, what happened with Elmarola wheel Sunday, there is a bolt on the bottom of the front lower control arm that is close to the wheel near the inner tire bead. When the wheel isn't tight, the wheel moves under load to rub on this bolt, and the bolt completely cut through the inner rim. Okay, so being rotary like that, it would cut that right off. And, yeah, we both just like that looked like the rim broke, but then as they did an investigation, they found out that that nut just wasn't properly set right. Yep. Uh, I wanted to find that because I knew he had a comment or a statement about it, so that was kind of interesting. But um, as far as the stage goes, Larson wins the stage over Byron, Harvick, Brad, Reddick, Hamlin, Bell, Blaney, Chastain, and Briscoe. You know, and and uh, Austin Dillon, he got three lucky dogs through that whole uh, through that whole stage. <laughs> you know, and and once again. The, the penalties on pit road are just amazing. You know, uh, um, the 54 got pinched. He was too fast. And then uh, McDowell and Bush, they were too fast. And uh, um, we see this every week. I, I take little notes of who are these guys that just keep pushing the limits on pit road. And it just seems like they pinched them. And um, um, it, it, it affects them. It affects the whole race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You've always been one, and I know I said this, that have really watched that. I watch it, but you really keep track of it. You do a good job of keeping track of it. And uh, it seems like Gibbs is learning a little bit of the line there, being aggressive with it. Um, Gregson was being aggressive with it earlier this season. So um, some of the rookies and, and younger guys are getting nabbed with it. All the time. Also, once one pits are done, well, all right, who got her this time? You never get a clean pit stop. There's always somebody that's getting nailed. You know, when you're at Phoenix and you go around those corners, and if you cut that corner off just a little bit too much, when you go from one sensor to the next, if you're too close to the wall on the inside, it gets you. You say, I was doing the right speed, but if you cut the corner off, you get there too fast, man, they'll pinch you for it. For sure, yep. We talk about that at those pit uh, lanes where they're kind of curved like that. I feel like Richmond and Martinsville can be the same way. Well, Bristol really very yeah. much once when you go from the back stretch to the front stretch. But the best thing about that, it's electronic, and so there's no arguing about it. There's no um, ball or strike call. It's electronic. If it pinches, it puts it out there then, you know, you don't hear no arguments against anybody and, and, and they move on. Yep. Uh, Burton spins with 10 to go with Harvick pulling away. Harvick really came on late in the race there. Um, 
six cars take two tires, Harvick would come out seventh with four tires. How is that going to work out? Well, then on the restart, Gibbs gets into the wall, and AJ goes around in front of him, and we go into overtime. You know, with that Burton, that Burton <laughs> fast caution, I swear, there's got to be an official that's got his finger right on the button, just waiting, just to pinch that button, you know, to make for a better finish. And some races, that probably wouldn't be a caution. It was close, but then when the tire came apart on the 21, he was throwing shrapnel on the track. But it's amazing how fast NASCAR is on pushing that caution. <laughs> I know it's you said amazing. that uh, before. I'm sure there's someone waiting there. but My God, it's amazing how fast that caution is. I mean, the guy just, there ain't even any smoke in the air and already, bang, yellow. You know, because NASCAR wants, they want their good finish. And right there, when that caution came out um, with Gibbs and AJ there, you knew that Harvick was going to have a hard time getting up there because he didn't gain any ground on that. He that. had the long ride. He had the long ride car. Um, and, yeah, when that caution... And then he was uh, just like bummer. So when they came into the pits, they decided to grab four while other guys grabbed two. Uh, that's a roll of the dice move, you know. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Um, you could see how much the Harvey crew was dejected after the uh, results of that race. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Byron was able to hang on the outside of Larson there, gets a push from Reddick, who goes three wide for second, and Byron would go back-to-back. Uh, I wonder who called that one, but uh, uh, Byron, Blaney, Reddick, Larson, Harvick, Bell, Briscoe, Bush, Bowman, and Barry. Uh, very nice for him to get his first top ten there, uh, rounds it out. Yeah, thanks for the body blow of who picked that one, but uh, couldn't have did it without Reddick. Reddick pushing him down the back, you know, and then he come across, and they were three wide right behind him, and that was just enough that uh, Byron could pull that off. So <laughs> good pick there, Lauren Leach. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, I have to get my shots in while I can because here you are just firing away at me. <laughs> All the time. That's what I do to you, man. Yep. Uh, hey, how about that last restart there coming uh, back around for, I believe it was the checker, Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain. This is the hot topic we were talking about. Uh, Denny gets into Chastain. It looked like racing. Uh, you knew he wasn't going to give Chastain any room there. He puts him in the wall, gives him a shot coming out of turn two. Uh, Denny actually gets penalized uh, for that. What was it, 50, 50 points? and Or was it 50,000 and 25 points? I think that's the right number. Yeah, it's it's substantial for sure. What, what's your thoughts on it? I'll tell you what. When you when you first when you you and I were talking about this, and I I disapproved of what your feeling was towards it, but I've heard other sides of it. Um, you know, um, I heard Dale Earnhardt Jr. say that you know when somebody's on a podcast and says afterwards, you know what he felt about it. But when you say that you purposely um, dictated his finish, um, NASCAR is going to step on that. Um, you know, I <laughs> there's this whole, guess what? Any podcast from now on, you're never going to ever hear another racer say, well, I did that on purpose. From now on, it's just like I was loose and I got into him. 
you know, there's such a history between the 11 and the one car. Um, they talked afterwards and they looked like it was a regular straight up conversation, but for Denny to go purposely on his podcast and saying, yeah, yeah, I took him out. Well, he dictated the end of the race. He, he tainted the end of the race for some other competitor and NASCAR has got to step in on that. And, you know, um, I think from now on, you might have something like that coming on, but you're not going to have anybody brag about it. This makes me so upset. Still talking about it, even when you were just talking about all these things it brought back. Because I first told you that there was going to be no penalties announced, and then five minutes later they come out with the penalties. And I'm reading, and you said, oh, I think uh, earlier in the week you thought, well, maybe Denny gets a penalty for coming out and saying that. I was like, there's no way. Uh, because, one, they – I don't want to say I'm a big precedent guy because we talked about the the Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson thing, and there can be new precedent set all the time. But tell me what the difference between what Denny did, and this is what Denny said. Denny basically said, I was going to go back to 20th, and since him and I have a history, he was coming with me. And he was the DA that lost as many positions as he did. Okay. What's the difference between that and what Joey Logano did to Byron last year at Darlington? It was for the win, so that's okay. But for Denny, it was for 15th, so it's not okay. What's the difference there? See, you're looking, you're looking for consistency, and that's, that's where it gets shady when NASCAR isn't consistent with their decisions. Because Joey Logano put Byron in the wall with two to go, but that's, that's for – and admittedly did it and what goes on and wins the race and that's okay. That's still retaliation. What about Jeff Gordon and Clint Boyer? I mean, Jeff Gordon right reared Clint Boyer and damn near took out Brad Kozlowski who would go on to win the championship. No penalty. Yeah. Well, you're, you're looking, you're looking for consistency there, buddy. You know how NASCAR covers their ass. It's, what is it, rule one, paragraph 12, actions detrimental to the sport. And that's like frosting on the cake. It covers everything. You know, it's just like, it's just like working for your company that you work for. And they come up and you can sit there and complain about the work, the employer that you work for. And they can sit there and come back and say, well, we have a right to manage. And you can't, you can't argue that. And this action to detrimental to racing. I've heard this through all the years and it shuts every door when NASCAR plays that card. You know, what's ironic about that is that's the name of Denny Hamlin's podcast, uh, which is hilarious to me that that's, that's what it falls under. Um, but here's the thing that really upsets me is okay. You're going to set a new precedent and all that, but what you're doing is, and I've said this for years NASCAR needs a behind-the-scenes show like Hard Knocks. Even before F1 had theirs, which has taken off, Hard Knocks, all this, NASCAR needs a behind-the-scenes thing so they can get more familiar with the drivers. And they finally did it last year, albeit I don't think it was all that great. It was okay. They don't have this. So the drivers having their own podcasts and all that stuff, they need that because they themselves don't do other things to go out and market the sport differently like F1, NFL, uh, all or nothing has NFL, soccer, all these other things behind the scenes. 
NASCAR needs these drivers and these uh, people associated with NASCAR that have these podcasts. So now uh, Denny's going to have a podcast and he's not going to come out and say this. And that to me just sucks because we're going to have just a few years ago. Remember before the boys have at it, they became robots and everyone hated that they became robots. They were all saying the politically correct thing, politically correct thing. And Denny goes on. It's refreshing to hear Denny. You know, you know, I, I am very rarely a Denny Hamlin defender. I just think sometimes he puts himself in situations that don't make sense. Uh, but I'm going to defend him in this instance. It was refreshing to hear. If you listen to the podcast, he explains everything down to a T. He says they discussed after the race. Ross walked up to him and said, well, I guess I deserve that. Denny was looking for something more out of him. Uh, when the first incident happened at Gateway, they actually went out for breakfast the next morning and talked about it and says that Ross's story needs to be heard more, that he actually enjoyed hearing Ross and why Ross races the way he does. NASCAR needs a good rivalry. They don't need to penalize someone for speaking their mind. Honestly, if Denny didn't come out and admit that he did it, it looked like a racing deal. Just a racing yeah. deal. And if it wasn't the one car, no one would have thought anything else of it. And NASCAR yeah. is inconsistent with it, and they need drivers to not be robots, and they need these drivers to have these podcasts, and now that's just going to take away from it, and it ticks me off. Right. It's, you know, it's, we need rivalries. We need them and, and the drama that goes with it. And by actually, after I've had a week to sleep on this, you know, um, all they're doing is making this vanilla. It's, you know, just like, yeah, you're, you're, you want these guys to express themselves. These podcasts is something new that NASCAR, you know, that these guys have and NASCAR needs to adjust to that. So, is one a day after the race and Denny's on his podcast 24 hours after the race, should that be out of bounds for NASCAR for somebody speaking their mind of what they got to say? I don't think so. I think we need it. I mean, I, I don't know how, how else I can really say it is they need this because they don't go out of their way to do some type of behind the scenes thing which people eat up. You've seen it since the early 2000s with Hard Knocks. You've seen it with F1 taken off. NASCAR refuses to do this for some reason. And then they penalize drivers for speaking their mind and telling the real stories, which is refreshing. And now that's just going to take away and you're going to see the vanilla crap that we saw a few years ago. Then everyone complains that they're not speaking their mind. It's vanilla. And then on top of it, we're going to ruin a, a rivalry on top of it that um, – Quite frankly, we need, like you and I have said. Yep, we still need them. We need them, too, to keep uh, <laughs> bucket heads together. So, yeah, I totally agree. At first, all of a sudden, uh, I, I've actually changed my tune this week at first. But NASCAR has to uh, say, how far is this going to go? You know, um, I think what it's all going to boil down to, everybody can have their podcast. Just don't come out and say that I did that. <laughs> I did yeah. that on purpose. Just say, oh, my car was loose. And it just so happened that he was there and move on. Um, you know, NASCAR doesn't like it when um, it affects somebody's finish of a race, and that's NASCAR's look at it. But, uh, yeah. But then why is the Logano and Byron thing okay? Because it's for the lead? 
Yeah. Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah. So there we go with the consistency. And that's all we ask for. And I could understand that this has gone on. If you want to say this has gone too long, there's been um, innocent bystanders involved. Complete. That's the thing that sucks about when you, but he didn't write room. He didn't take him out. He didn't affect anyone in this instance other than Ross. If the penalty, if you wanted to do a penalty, then it should have been done at Pocono last year when he ran Ross into the wall and it included Harvick and all this other stuff. Why wasn't it done back then? Why is it done with a simple raw scrape at Phoenix? You know why? Because I picked Chastain. So there. Oh, you and you, and you had Byron. So there. <laughs> now it's all about me, you know, how I felt about it. But I, uh, no, I, I understand. I hear where you're coming from there, dude. As someone who makes a career out of doing interviews for a podcast, I've done it for 15 years at WIR, I would hate to see Denny not want to do his podcast or other drivers. Corey LaJoy has a great one with Stacking Pennies. Uh, you know, Dale Jr. has guests on. You want them to go on and, and be vanilla? I That just cool. does not sit well with me. So let's say at the local level, okay, we go down to the pits after the races like this, and let's say some guy comes right up and starts chirping, hey, I did that on purpose. I, you know, I, you know, I figured, oh, my car wasn't running well, and he was there, and I decided if I ain't going to finish well, well, then uh, he, ain't, he ain't either. Okay, that's pretty much what Denny said. How would we take this at the local level? Guess what would happen? There wouldn't be a penalty. There wouldn't be a penalty, but I bet you we would have uh we would get this taken care of between the trailers. <laughs> oh sure, oh sure, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> now that we're heading that way. Now we can cool off a little, or I can cool off a little bit because I'm more animated than you are on this. But um, I kind of joked with you off air that there should be a boxing uh, ring at every uh, racetrack. <laughs> a penalty box, yeah, a penalty yeah. box. Yeah, uh, we could sell it that way. But bring I, your tire changer, the big bruiser for a tag team partner, you know, and we can all sit and watch. Yeah. We can watch uh, UFC after the races for a double tag here. So, <laughs> but where is it going? Everything in racing. All of a sudden, look at all these fights and all this stuff. Look at what happened with Boris down in in, in Pensacola throwing a fire extinguisher at somebody. You know, don't throw a helmet because. Oh my God, that's more expensive than a than a track fire extinguisher, and uh, you know everybody's getting so uppity. What's going on here? Do are, do we need a, a police officer in the pits just because of what's been going on? What is going on in the state of racing, and what's what's happening here? Yeah, that that's a good segue, Mark. Um, to go into that is uh, you know it was a wild week. You. You talked about the the NASCAR race and the Denny and Ross thing, and then you talk about Boris down at Five Flags throwing that ext- extinguisher. I'm glad that didn't hurt anyone. Um, obviously, he he got a penalty out of that. Um, and then, you know, you think about Bubba Pollard going after Casey Roderick after a, a racing incident. And then you talk about at the dirt track there was fighting. Um, it just seemed like fighting in, in these drama I mean- things just came up this week and it was all at one time. And um, yeah, I don't know. There were some people talking about the police officer. Do we need one? Uh, I know some people said, well, it would probably be better to have a trained um, security professional there instead of a police officer. Cause police officers. Oh, can like a bouncer, people. like a bouncer in a bar. Yeah. So, I mean, probably more than that, probably an actual <laughs> security person, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, and then I mean, you talked about um, the other thing that happened down at Hickory with Doug Barnes Jr. and Landon Huffman where they wrecked. Apparently there was an unwritten rule that wasn't mentioned at the driver's meeting, isn't in black and white, that you have to run half of the first race to run the second race, and that was a whole debacle. All these things just came up at once. Um, <laughs> wow. Well, there was a full moon last week, man, so that kind of brings us all up. We understand the passion, you know, the passion of racing, but uh, it's gone over the edge, and, like, uh, hey, I, I'm totally against people uh, using a race car as a weapon. I mean, that absolutely, you draw the line. What Boris did was just, it, what didn't they find him down there that he has to replace the fire extinguisher? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to laugh at that, but that was. I know, but it, the that, was part, that was part of that was part of the penalty that he had to replace a hundred seventy-five dollar fire extinguisher because he dented it or whatever. <laughs> well, the way that it was worded was what got me, is because you know you could say, oh, he was fined like whatever it was, a thousand dollars, and then just you know just say he was found a thousand dollars for his action and put the money towards the extinguisher if you want. But the press release, this is what the press release read. Um, uh, two race, two post-race penalties have been issued following the ASA Stars Sunshine State 200 at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida uh, on March 11, 2023. The teams of Andrew Pollard and Reliable Recovery Services um, and then also uh, Boris Yurkovich. So uh, Bubba Pollard was fined or he was a uh, loss of 28 position championship driver points, 28 position championship owner points, a loss of all race earnings, a fine of $3,000 and placed on probation for all events in the remainder of the calendar year. Uh, Boris uh, was penalized 15 uh, driver and owner points, loss of all race earnings, a fine of $750 an additional penalty of $145 for replacement of series equipment and placed on probation. <laughs> like why, why couldn't you just round that up? Cause it's going to come out to, what is that? 895. Why couldn't you just say he's been fined $900 and then disperse the funds as you need to. It was so funny to me that that was placed in the press release. They emphasized that they, he, he ruined that fire extinguisher, but Oh my God, if he would have switched that through that, that oh, passenger man. window, like, oh, my God, that's just, just – that's horrible. And, uh, you know, he don't even get a race suspension. Now, I under – you know, I'm always against not taking drivers away from a racetrack. And, uh, you know, now Bubba Pollard's got to face, all, you know, the music with all of this. He might just shrug his shoulders and just like, why, why should I even follow through the rest of the year? What's the incentive to do this? So it's a fine line how you penalize these guys. Um, I don't know what the, it looks like with the stars series that there's not a contact rule. So if you looks like if you take somebody out that you get to keep your position on a short track race, I mean, it, is this, I, I know Bob Sargent is going to tweak this and he's looking into it and Hey, granted the star series is on their It's their first baby step. And, um, and we're going to have to see where it goes. I mean, there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some growing pains in this series, but uh, you know, if they're 
going to try to treat penalties and and how they're going to run the series. They they can't run it like NASCAR. I mean, what is there? There's stage. There's stage stages now in there, and there's um, there's um, mandatory pit stops. There's there's all kinds of stuff that I'm trying to catch up with. Like, where's the rules on this whole series? And I'd like to pay attention to it because it's going to be in our backyard pretty damn soon. So. You know, so it's uh, something to pay attention to. Um, I don't know. It's fine line, man. They're, they're, um, I don't know where to go with it. Well, in a lot of series, uh, not up here, we don't see it as much up here, but um, down south, you know, you think about the Snowball Derby, there's never really been a contact rule unless something was, like, on purpose. So... Um, you know, that's just kind of how a lot of places do things up here. There's been a contact rule, um, which I've said, sometimes I wonder if there should be, I understand why it's in the rule book. It's probably good that it's in the rule book, but a lot of other places in the country, not just down South don't have a contact rule unless it's on purpose. It's egregious. So if you didn't view what the contact between Roderick and Pollard is egregious, that's why he wasn't sent to the back. That, that to me, it didn't even raise a red flag in my mind because that's just how things are in a lot of places outside of the Midwest. Um, so I don't know. We'll get a closer look at the other rules when it gets up here, I guess. And when you ain't got that contact rule, I mean, on a short track racetrack, man, I tell you what, it's going to make drivers. If you know that you can turn somebody and not be penalized for it, that you not, you're not going to the back. Now we're talking short track racing. You're going to have contact. And if you just go over the line a little bit and you turn somebody, I mean, I understand it's going to make for a more aggressive racing, but it's going to make for, <laughs> it's going to make more issues down the line of how you race somebody. All of a sudden, hey, he dumped me in Pensacola. Well, guess what? Here at Swinger, I'm, I'm going to pay you back. And, and if it's the same kind of thing, and they come up, and somebody would come up and say, well, hold it. That looked like that was on purpose. You know, where do you draw the line? There's so much gray area with that. I think a lot of the contact rule takes that out of out of, the, out of play. Oh, sure, and that's why it's up here, is it takes, it takes that out of the question. It takes kind of the mm -hmm. frustration a little bit out of it for both parties involved, too. Uh, but you've been to a couple snowball derbies with me now, and there's never been a contact rule down there unless it was egregious and the penalty was for. But I still that. agree with the, the the tap rule, the gentleman's tap rule, and I mean, as long as everybody's all together on that, you know, you know, once when you're driving and you mess somebody up and just say, "Hey, I stuck my nose in there and shouldn't have been," you know, um, that's what that's there for to cover up for the contact rule. So. Um, We'll be very much paying attention to that through the summer as this uh, as this comes through. Yeah, there's some um, traditional, I'll say, traditional race fans that don't like the. Um, I know some people have called it the general. I'll call it the drivers' uh, agreement, where they tap the top and take responsibility, give the other person their spot back. Um, there's a lot of traditional race fans that don't like that because they think it can be used in a way, if you're buddy-buddy with someone or someone's in the points, then you're going to do it. And if you don't like someone, then you don't, and it can be used that way. I like it personally. 
Uh, I like it. The the contact rule is fine. Um, but I think a lot of people, especially up here, don't realize that that's not the norm everywhere else. That's the contact rule is not in every rule book. It's not. Sometimes the driver's agreement isn't in the rule book. Hell at WIR, that was just a few years ago that we had that. It's been used at dirt for many years prior to that. Now it seems to take off a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what comes forward of that. Um, luckily, no one was severely hurt and everything. I guess that's the positive side of everything. But there's a lot of controversy with, with the contact rule also. We've seen that also, just like, you yeah. know, or, you know, the three-wide rule. There's another one where all of a sudden it's a ball-and-strike call. When if somebody slips up and either you check up or you try to get around the guy and also you end up three-wide, it just happens that way. And then somebody actually gets penalized that has no clue of what's going on and gets penalized. So there's, there's a lot of that. I think uh, some of the ball-and-strikes calls need to be sharpened probably by the promoters or who's running the, the race director. And, uh, you know, but it still comes down to a ball and strike call. Very interesting what we're going to see this summer and how this is going to go. I want to mention uh, something with a contact rule that I saw, and I don't want to say where it was or the, the parties involved before we get into our picks for Atlanta. Um, there was one time with contact rule, I saw a driver um, get into the back of another driver and the, the driver who got into the back of another driver spun. So the behind driver spun, right? And they penalized the uh, driver that was ahead of them. How, what did that driver do that was, that was wrong? That one still baffles my mind. But, um, yeah, that, when you said there's still controversy with the, the contact rule, that's the one I always think of. You know, it'd have to be Blaine where somebody actually went down and actually cut somebody off that had a run. And yeah. but it's still a ball and strike call, and, yeah, and that's and, not and whoever, whoever the race director is. And it better not be the flag man, you know. I've heard so many times where the flag man runs the show, it shouldn't be that way. Somebody up in the tower should actually um, be sharp um, and be consistent on the calls, but um, yeah, that's all you know. When I seen the wreck between Roddick and, and Bubba. Pollard, <clears throat> you know, when up here, if that happens up here, you both go to the back. It's just, you know, that's the way we race up here. Down south, it's a different different story there. I know Casey didn't like to win that way. You know, he was more apologetic about that. You know, to, to him, it's just like, hey, I won, but yeah, I feel shitty about it because of the way that it happened. Um Man, that's that's just the state of short track racing. Yeah, for sure. You know, hey, one other thing I want to talk about before our picks. Yeah. Back at the, the end of the cup race, uh, Mike Joy, he's been in the news yeah. lately. And isn't, isn't, isn't this something else? <laughs> apparently, apparently, a lot of people um, are been making comments about how Fox runs their their show and with commercials. And uh, with 85 laps to go, Mike Joy had a comment about commercial free, and it, it set a lot of people off the wrong way. Well, what was said, it was from the previous week. Uh, he said it's the last full 
commer- full full TV commercial where they break away from the racing and you don't get that side by side view. And uh, people just went off on social media and said it wasn't true and didn't like the way they were doing that. Because then about 20, 25 laps later, they go, and here's our last green flag commercial, and it went side by side. So Mike Joy, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he actually said, and here's for all the keyboard warriors. I'm going to say this slow, and he actually said it slow. Like, this is the full for last full commercial of the race. And uh, he was snarky. He was a tad snarky about that because apparently he's been hearing through the grapevine that people have been actually, you know, making comments off to the and, and oh. actually it hit a nerve with him and and he brought that across the broadcast. It's not even through the grapevine; it's directed at him on uh, Twitter. He's been responding to a lot of what he oh, was keyboard mm-hmm. warriors. Um, but yeah, he it's been directed at him for what he said. So I'm sure that uh, hit a nerve with him. Um, <laughs> well, we're you... talking about this. Let's go into the whole whole thing now. So I was texting with you, and I was like, I've always liked Fox's broadcast. Yes, of the race is the best since Fox has taken over, which has been since my childhood on. Um. I've always liked it, but I got to say the energy out of the booth and Mike Joy included Mike Joy, Clint Boyer and whoever's with them, their energy seems really low this year. Uh, they need to get the energy level a little bit back up there. And, and how do you do that? I mean, something one you more energy, do something to be, I mean, Boyer, he's got, he, I think he's self-diagnosed ADD. I'm not making fun of that, but you know, Start to pump the energy a little bit, you know. But when you got a race that's going so, you know, Phoenix, okay, it was rather bland. You know, they have to be constructive on how they're going to follow through. Now, when you got uh, Boyer in the booth and then you bring in uh, Danica, and it seemed like anything that Danica said, she didn't even finish her sentence, and Boyer was already over the top of her. Uh, saying something else or disagreeing. There's no chemistry between them two. Uh, Tony will be back in there next week. But uh, Fox is actually grasping at straws of trying to make this work. And it, it, it's affecting Mike Joy and how he's uh, how he's yeah. doing his show. That's a good point. The people coming in there are different. You know, that, that affects them tremendously too. That's That's a good point by you. You know, um, the Danica thing, I said that last year, absolutely zero chemistry with Clint. And, and honestly, this year I was, I felt like Danica made some good ground. I thought she, she did a lot better than last year. I, I, I was, I was looking to hey, see. Good her. for her. Yeah. Yeah. I good think she did her. I think she did and, good. And um, there's so many people that want to rip on her and they did for some reason they have an ax to grind with her and everything like this. And, you know, give her a break. I mean, she is a very intelligent, very intelligent racer, and she's experienced, and she's she's been in the in the grind, and and people for some reason just have a problem with her. Um, fine, she didn't win races or anything, but my God, she did a lot more than what we did. You know, I wish I had her career. Um, so it's it's a shame how people treat Danica. Um, now, now look at uh, Jamie Little. Okay, now there's another female that's in there, 
And, you know, she's starting to announce her own Xfinity races. It's, and they, they kind of make a big deal. Hey, first female to, to run, run the show at a, at, a, at a race. And Jamie Little is absolutely professional. I mean, she is, she's probably right now the greatest female uh, broadcaster that's out there. Um, we need more of that. We need somebody to be a role model for other, um, other ladies, minorities to get into that position. Um, it's unfair how they treat Danica. And, and that's my opinion. You know, I, I just don't know why people got such an axe to grind on her. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could have uh, said any better there, Mark. That was, uh, that was good. Um, yeah. I thought she was, she was much improved. The chemistry wasn't there and it was obvious, but she was much improved. Uh, Clint talked over her a few times it felt like the energy was was low, maybe due to the chemistry. Maybe that's that's what I'm because I mean you you got a three three and a half hour thing going on. You can't bring the energy all the time. But we saw it uh, when AJ spun a few weeks ago, and they go, "Oh, AJ spun," and and that was it. And it was just like you gotta you gotta do something different than just that. And it seems like Clint is trying too hard. He's trying too hard to impress. I mean, he was good when he first got into the booth. You know, he's uh, he's kind of like the class clown, and people can poke at him, you know, and take a joke and everything like this. But recently, it just seems like he's trying too hard to impress. Well, and you know, the other thing is he's had a lot of personal things going on too, and the, and that could be running in, into it too. He's got a, a couple of young kids and. All that that could weigh weigh on you as well. So it, we, you know, we don't know what he's got going on either. But it would be nice if the the energy level out of the whole booth was a little better. Yeah. So it's it's quite obvious that Fox is grasping at straws. I mean, Harvick Harvick's coming next year. Um, let's hope that's a good mix uh, with Boyer. That's there. I mean, Mike Joy uh, just found out. You know, seventy three. They put him on here. He's seventy three years old. The dude's been around a long time. And he's uh his his mind is an encyclopedia. Oh, he, <laughs> I mean, this dude just knows everything about everything. You know, it's you could always take notes off of Mike Joy saying, "Wow, I didn't know that stat. I didn't know that." You know, Mike Joy is amazing. I met him at Milwaukee. What a hell of a guy! I like Mike Joy. Mike Joy is a is a great guy. He's a great commentator. Like you said, he's an encyclopedia. I I love Mike Joy. I just think the energy level is too low, and I hate I hate being negative. I feel like this. I've been upset with the Denny Hamlin penalty. I've been upset with the energy in the booth. I I don't like being that way, but um, we were kind of going down that way. So I think it's important for for us to have those feelings and to share those feelings. That's the point of this podcast. But um, Mike Joy is one hell of a one hell of a well, commentator. But like you and I, we're always positive. Just come and see us at the racetrack. We are very positive when we're at the racetrack, aren't we? No, absolutely. <laughs> Try to, you know, try to be as positive as you can in life too, even when negative things happen. I mean, it just—I feel like the, it takes more energy to be negative than it does positive, and that's just not me. And it's so easy for for social media. Like, yeah. I know how you feel about social media. I mean, a lot of people will type things out that'll say things. Say, "Hey, how about saying that to my nose?" You know, and then they don't say nothing. So, you know, then then those people are rather fake. You know. Um, come talk to me. I'll give you the same kind of rap that I give you right here. Same thing, you know, be positive and, uh, and move forward. Try to make good things out of things. You know, that's the way I am. 
Social media is great if used for the right intentions. Yeah, but there's so many people that just take their frustrations of life and throw it out there to try to drag them down with every, just like what's going on with them. If you were more positive and, hey, our parents, didn't your parents teach you? If you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. And that, right. that you know, that's where I was, I was growing up. And, and that's a rule that should be with everybody. And uh, we we can all move forward a lot better in life if we if we actually went with that. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Well, let's uh, let's get back to being uh, a <laughs> little thick there, buddy. But uh, yeah, no kidding. But yeah. but I tell you what, that's part of life, and sometimes it's frustrating when there's so many negative people out there, and it doesn't need to be that way. Well, and I think the difference is here. So I was thinking it's a little ironic. We're talking about being positive when we've been negative a few things on this podcast. Well, the difference is bringing negativity and bringing ideas to try to do better is different than just throwing negativity out there and being oh, a bad person. You and I could sit on here and we could rip on here. And guess what? We might get more listeners, but that's not what it's all about. We're looking at trying to um, um, promote the sport that we really love. And I, you know, that's what I'm in the race. That's why I take my videos. They're for the fans that it's for the fans to promote the racing, that people are interested, that we can get more fans to keep the sport going. It's amazing at the local level of how expensive it is. I don't know how it keeps going. It's amazing. And I want to keep it going because I love it so much. Absolutely. Well said. Yep. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's get in our picks. Atlanta uh, coming up trucks and Xfinity Saturday cup Sunday. Uh, I get to pick first, even though can I pick tried. first. Can I, can I, can I pick first? Even though you try to pick first, um, <laughs> and we're kind of successful for the second time in two years. <laughs> I wanted to pick, and it was getting close. We got rained out here in Atlanta for uh, qualifying, so I wanted to pick. Yeah, and you did, and you I, did. I felt like I was running out of time, so I had to throw something out there to, to get something moving here. Yeah. Uh, for the truck race, uh, I am going to take Nick Sanchez. Kind of a sleeper pick. He's been fast. Uh, he sat, uh, he was fast at Daytona. I view this as a, Atlanta as more of a super speedway race now than a technical speedway, which I'm sure a lot do. So I uh, try to refrain from using um, a heavy hitter, I guess. I don't want to call Nick Sanchez not a heavy hitter, but someone who I think can uh, pull through on a, in a type of track like this. Well, let's talk experience, okay? Not a heavy hitter, somebody with more experience. Correct, yes. You know, Sanchez is great, and he's going to be really good. We see the talent. Can he follow us through um, with that? So Sanchez is your pick. He's number two, isn't he? He is. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to take all reliable on some of these fast tracks that are out there and i'm i'm going to give you a big dose of ben Rhodes. we're going to see if all we're going to see if the old thor 99 car will beat you to the line there at the <laughs> at the truck race chevy versus ford very good <laughs> that's what makes Rhodes even better this year <laughs> here we go oh, yeah, here, here we're we going go. on another rabbit hole aren't we here we go <laughs> Uh, for the Xfinity series, I get to pick first again, unfortunately. 
Uh, I will pick Austin Hill, who won the fall race down there last year uh, and is good at super speedway racing. So I'm going to go with Austin Hill. He sure is. So, uh, hey, if you're picking somebody like that, I'm not going to pick a slug. I uh, actually, because I think that's going to be uh, definitely a top five pick for you. So I, I got to pick somebody that I feel that'll be in the top five. And I'm going to throw a little Neba check at you in the number 20. He's uh, he's downright fast. And uh, I, I got to pick somebody like that to keep up with you. And before we go forward, uh, last year in the trucks, Corey Heim won the race. So he'll be in the race this year. Uh, Atlanta for Xfinity last year, Ty Gibbs won. And then for Cup last year, uh, it was William Byron. And when we say last year, we're talking about the last spring race at Atlanta, not the last time we were yeah, at spring race. Yeah, hey, it was rained out, you know, qualifying today. So they threw the old 500 on from last year. And uh, it was it was very much uh, worth watching, watching last year's race. Man, that Atlanta race, you know, that, that track is cured one year, you know, in the, in the summer sun and everything like that. That track should be really cool this year. I think there's going to be two lanes and there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some good racing going on there. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, man, uh, looking forward to it. Uh, in Cup Series, I'm going to go with someone with a lot of experience on super speedways as well. Has been improved. You're right. You pick first. I'm sorry. That's right. Hey, you know, so, uh, you know, we made our picks off air, so I didn't pick. We did, but we're going to go in order here. And I'm pointing to me because, uh, because my pick is going to be a pick that you can't even beat. You can't even touch this year. And, you know, I should have picked a Hendrick car. Hendrick is so good this year. Um, but, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go off a little bit. Somebody that runs really good at Atlanta. He ran good there this last year. I'm, I'm going to throw a big dose of Blaney at you. How about a big dose of Ryan Blaney and see if you can beat that? That's a good pick. I debated taking um, Blaney there because he ran, he runs good there. Uh, but I decided to go with Brad Kozlowski, someone who is uh, experienced, as I said before uh, you, <laughs> you went um so brad kozlowski and i'll tell you what rfk is looking stronger than they were last year so there's some improvement there isn't it amazing that team is fast dude so there's nothing wrong with that pick uh kozlowski is getting back into his old form again you know and he's going to be relevant through the rest of this year absolutely i i agree with that um so update on points let me pull that up here uh, Mark, you are winning. Um, that far, I do know it is. You are up eight to six uh, on me, and we both have two wins, uh, two actual wins where our driver won the race. And again, uh, folks that are new to this, we can't, um, we can only pick a driver in each series three times. So it's not like we're trying to pick the winner each week. I mean, we are, but we're limited on how many times we can use a driver. So sometimes that factors into the win total. You know, looking really deep into it, you know, we've had 11 races and and I've had zero DNFs and you have had four out of all three three series. But I have gotten nothing on the cup side. I have had no top tens, no nothing in the cup series. So I need to improve with that. That's why Blaney's going to come through for me and get me off the schneid. 
Well, it's weird because I was looking at that too, and it's almost like it was opposite of last year because last year I did my damage in the trucks and Xfinity series against you, and you did damage in the cup, and it looks like it's almost opposite this year. No, we got a long way to go, buddy. This long is week, week five, so <laughs> we're just we're just scratching the surface here. No doubt, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I tell you what, this was uh, this was a fun one, Mark. Uh, I didn't know how our feelings would come across and all that. I, I think that was fun letting uh, some you know things that we think can be improved and things we disagreed with. Sometimes I'm bad at letting uh, some of that out in in this thing, but um, this one felt like one of the one of the most fun ones. Yeah, well, we have fun together anyway. So hey, double header tomorrow, man. We uh, we got the trucks that are running at one o'clock tomorrow. And we got the Xfinity at 4 o'clock. Weather looks great. Uh, what? No practice? No qualifying? Just, you know, old school, throw them on the racetrack and go. <laughs> and uh, um, cup cup uh, pra- qualifying, I believe, is at 1030 tomorrow on FS1. And then we'll go from there. So uh, super pumped about Atlanta, man. <laughs> I love I love what they did to the racetrack. Um uh, who knows? Maybe some other mile and a half might take a note from Atlanta. I know you wouldn't like that, but it sure would make the mile and a half just a little bit more exciting. Well, I feel like the mile and a half since this new car, and we talked about that a few times, have been better um, than the short tracks and road courses. Now, obviously, they're trying to make changes to that, but um, I don't know how many more super speedways like this we need. So I think it's fine that it's Atlanta, Daytona, Talladega. I don't know how much more. I would want that. I know Texas has been a hot topic uh, for maybe doing something like that, even though they just repaved a few years ago. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. But it's going to be fun to watch. We're a few weeks from Daytona, a few weeks before Talladega, um, so should be should be an interesting one. Yeah, you know, and then oh boy, then we go to a road course next week at Austin. Then we go to Richmond. Then we go to the dirt. I mean, talk about throwing everything at it so so we'll uh we'll see how the season goes man we're we're getting going and hey the, the short track race around here is slowly inching up getting a little bit closer all the time with that too that's good stuff man yeah it's it's getting uh going here for sure um next uh wednesday as of right now we're gonna have luke fenhouse on so that's exciting uh before he gets going with his arca east uh, program and then short track stuff shortly after that. So it's a, uh, it's a good time right now. This is, this is fun. Luke Fenhouse brought out his new schedule. Have you seen his new schedule? I did. He's, he's all over the place, but all guess over. what? Hey, but here in Wisconsin, we're going to go see a big dose. He actually mentioned that to me at Pensacola saying, you know what? You're going to see a little bit more of us up there this year. And by gum, if that didn't come true, and we're going to see a whole bunch of him and he's a heck of a racer too. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. Happy that he's getting this ARCA Series E stride. Hopefully his career can keep uh, on the trajectory that it's been going. Heck of a talent. Great guy. Going to be so happy to talk to him next week. And then we'll have Ty on uh, in the near future again as well to catch up with him after all his short track racing and two uh, truck series races, maybe three by the time we get to him. But uh, Yeah, we haven't talked to him since Vegas, you know, and then he starts on the front row tomorrow. You know, so he's there, and yeah, and he's doing. Maybe he'll get himself a snake wrapped around his neck again, and and then they just ran Pensacola. So there's a whole bunch to talk to him about too. Absolutely, so uh, a lot of stuff. So, um, 
Well, this went uh, longer than I thought with having no interviews, but we kind of went on a few tangents, which was fun. I uh, hope everyone enjoys it. Thanks uh, for joining me once again, Mark, and uh, looking forward to the next steps here. And, hey, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, we'll see you, man. See ya. This has been a production of Lore Sports. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.